0: Welcome non productive and a special welcome to Near Mint diehards who've still subscribed to the show in their podcatcher of choice. We are very happy to be presenting a uh, a episode of Near Mint from the Vault. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm your host Frank joined by my co-hosts Ken, hey, and Pete. Hey, how's it going? And yeah, we're very excited about uh this re-release. Seven years ago, we read through The Long Halloween, and now it's the 25th anniversary of the uh, original comic. And uh, it's really like, it's it's a great time to do this review because in 2021, the time we're releasing this expanded edition podcast, the uh, feature film, the two episode animated feature film has been released. And we're here to talk a little bit about the feature film and the comics. Of course, full spoilers. We expect you to have already watched the movies and read and or read the comic if you're tuning into this podcast. The thing that we didn't have, obviously, seven years ago was the feature film. And as far as a adaptation of a seminal graphic novel or collection of uh, comic issues, I think it did a fair job. I, I did enjoy this movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I loved about it was essentially for the most part how faithful it was to the source material.
0: Yeah, it was surprisingly faithful considering how often that source material gets referenced by other works, uh like The Dark Knight trilogy, right? Yeah, and mm-hmm. specifically The Dark Knight where a lot of Harvey's origin is kind of pulled in from from this book, from The Long Halloween, but this was basically this wasn't this wasn't a Marvel property that shares the same name as the film that or the comic that it came from. This is this is an adaptation of that story.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the things that I, I I think I love the most too was uh, some of the the voiceover talent in this. I actually had to research some of it, but I was shocked to find out that Calendar Man was Polka Dot Man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good job. Yeah, there was some interesting uh so John DiMaggio, who he has a very identifiable voice in that in that way, like you could tell like this almost sounds like Bender, right? And he was Mad Hatter. Uh I that was probably the thing I paused the most was who's that voice? I recognize it.
2: That's very interesting because I, I absolutely hated Mad Hatter. Oh yeah, in, you
0: don't know, like the, the version I, I
2: hated the, the, the low class Cockney. <laughs> hey got him. It was like that's that's not Jervis Tetch.
0: So it's hard not to like listen to voiceover work in Batman and not think of Batman the animated series. I know that's not necessarily the reason why you mm-hmm. don't like the Mad Hatter, but like I kept comparing characters up. I think Jensen Ackles did um a fair job as Batman. I really do. I did like it. I know it was I, a
1: controversial choice. I actually did too. um Actually, it was funny uh, that you brought up the Mad Hatter thing, and Peter and I had a conversation before this going into it too, and we were talking about Mad Hatters from the animated series, and like, yeah, it's hard to compare when you had Roddy McDowell yeah. in the '90s playing the Mad Hatter, you know.
0: I think it's like it, it, you know, you have to, you have to distinguish yourself if you've got if you're going up against Roddy McDowell.
1: I, I don't. I mean, I'm sure in you know the animated. uh media community he's loved especially in the video game community troy baker as the joker who has voiced him in other arkham games his his dead on mark hamill voice Mm -hmm. it's almost hard to differentiate at times like you almost think it's him the guy is so good
0: yes but there's a uniqueness to it too yeah yeah he's definitely
2: close enough that you don't have to think about it (laughs)
0: right interesting for me uh i think the one that crept into my head that i couldn't figure out was probably poison ivy do you know who played poison ivy in this
1: oh god i I, yes yes because she's one of my favorites it was katie sackoff it was was starbucks
0: sackoff yes but uh, yeah we talked about a lot of the voiceover act david uh i believe polka dot man from the most recent suicide squad movie and of course calendar man the creepiest Performance, such a wonderful performance from him.
1: I, I always in the book, I, I thought that he was super creepy.
0: Yeah, and I, that's so one thing that I think once we get into the the review, I mean, I, I cannot believe how much of this movie I forgot or this story I forgot. I should say, uh, up to and including the podcast we're about to air, I wasn't sure if I read this book. I'm like, I know I read Long Halloween, but I cannot tell you the plot. I kind of think I remember who did it in this Who Done It. But I don't remember then I Then I'm listening to myself from almost 10 years ago talking about it. And I'm like, yeah, this does sound familiar. I did <laughs> read this book. So it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, that character, Calendar Man, I mean, and o- so much of the design of this film taken right from the pages of of the original story. There are some major variations, though, we should probably talk about. Before oh, yeah. we got to the podcast, speaking of voiceover, Naya Riviera, who was Catwoman, tragically in her last role. Catwoman might as well have been the the main vigilante in this story, in the animated <laughs> yeah. film.
1: Absolutely.
0: With Batman, rookie Batman Robin, helping her out occasionally.
1: <laughs> what did you what did we, what did we yeah. think about that? It's well, it's a shame knowing what happened with her with this, but knowing how the long Halloween is actually the first part of a kind of trilogy that Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale did with the third part being a Catwoman story. And I'm like, I really kind of hope that this movie does well enough that they decide to continue to do all three stories because I want that Catwoman story.
0: Yeah, that would be interesting, and a tragic that we won't get it with the same voiceover actress. For me, it was very interesting to see Catwoman portray having such an active role early on the, in the first uh, part of the uh, the two part movie. Uh, I felt the second part of the these movies lagged a little bit of luster that the first one did, but overall, I the minor changes that did happen, I think were strengthened and sped up. The story made it something that you could digest within yeah. two movies as opposed to 12 issues. But there are some things that I just loved that were there were changes. Uh, I'm not even talking about the end. Actually, the way Batman is uh, routinely dismissed <laughs> as if it's a year to Batman, which I'm we talked about this in the podcast that you're about the year trying to figure out exactly what point in his career this happens. It feels in this film it's much earlier in yeah. his career and you know there are people calling him some detective, and a, a, there's there's a there's a recurring theme that he's not really good at being a detective, which is interesting.
1: It's an interesting tag for a Batman movie, considering <laughs> that this is a giant murder mystery story.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say, especially with what I consider to be one of the seminal Batman World's Greatest Detective comics. I mean, you don't see many, many uh, comic stories where Batman is as much of a detective as he is in the long Halloween.
0: Yeah, and this one, he's really cutting his teeth on the entire concept that he has to do that. Uh, I think one point where he actually says, you know, I didn't realize I was going to have to be a detective. Literally, yes. (laughs) I guess I'll have to become the world's greatest detective. (laughs) Any other takeaways or, or moments you we want to talk about before we get to the end of the of the two part film?
2: Well, I'll say I did like the attention to detail that they gave, attention to things that the fans would appreciate. For instance, at the beginning, when it, when Bruce is talking to Alfred and Alfred walks off mid sentence. <laughs> and you that I hate when he does that.
0: I have that in my notes. So I'm like I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that he got that from Alfred. That'd be great.
2: That the little nod at I think it was the New Year's Eve benefit that Carmine Falcone is giving his speech, and he's thanking the sponsors of, of the event. He name drops cord Omni Dimensional Head Cords Company. The Blue Beetle.
0: Oh Beaver. neat.
2: There I... th- th- that company sponsored it and so did uh Soder Cola, which I always loved. Cola brand referenced in Superman comics. It's Bibbo's favorite drink.
0: <laughs> That's really neat. I didn't pick up on that at all. And I'm Cause... sure the
2: third one was something that, if I was a bigger DC fan, I would have picked up on. But very cool, Ken.
1: I think one of the things I appreciated the most that I or that I liked the most too was um, that in the original book, Tim Sale's artwork was a unique. Style that I think really only worked in that story because if it was anything else, I probably wouldn't have appreciated it as much. And I was concerned about if they were going to try to emulate that style in a, in an animated film, which I don't think you could do. And the choices that they made, I I thought it was very good, and still made it feel noirish.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they did they did as best as they could to. Exactly, emulate that art style without making it feel like an like an abstract film, which I think
2: would be more distracting than it is in a comic. I Um, think what they tried to do was emulate the feeling. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to the actual style that they do, and I I think that was a brilliant choice on their part.
0: Yes. So there's so much more I'd like to talk about, but I, I think we should we should discuss the ending of this film versus the comic. Yeah so what do we think uh, just to to refresh our memories of the the comic it was significantly more ambiguous uh, as to who actually done it and in fact it seems as if maybe multiple people done it
1: well it, it essentially that's that is what it was um it, it, Alberto Falcone was um, in the book the the main guy committing the murders who had an accomplice with this movie. I thought it was kind of weird that they kind of watch mend it a little bit. If that makes sense, where it's like they, a lot of the movie followed all the same beats, at like a lot of the uh, original source material until we got to the end because Alberto dies. And we see him get shredded in the boat
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that was the moment where his death was faked so he could keep continuing the murders. And that's not what we got in this, in this movie.
0: So I think in the original comic there is a little bit of a question about at what point Alberto stopped being the murderer. I think it was somewhere after the the faked death, uh, but that in fact um, Gilda does take over, or at least claims mm-hmm. to. So, and then maybe even at some point Harvey starts doing it. I, I, it's hard to remember exactly how the comic lays out, but where the comic has some ambiguity over who exactly is doing everything. This lays it out as straight as you can get, almost as straight as you could get at Gilda's feet.
1: And adding a weird subplot kind of at a left field.
0: Uh, yes. About her inability, her affairs with um, or her marriage with uh, Alberta. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, how do we what do we think about that? Did that that land for you is this a thing to make it more easy uh, what what did we think
1: being a fan of the original story i was just kind of curious why they just didn't follow through with it and thought it was necessary to change it and actually because at least in my opinion batman let gilda go at the end in this she she committed everything why didn't he just arrest her
2: just because he, she had a, a good reason in his mind an acceptable reason i i don't know it's it was a very bold choice i would be very interested to find out like you said why they chose if so, i could yeah. if, if i could speculate it does maintain or rescue a bit of a mystery for those who know the story already, like the back of their hand.
0: I think that's it. Yeah.
2: I think it does. It does so in a satisfying way. It's, it's not a, uh, a revision where I say, Oh, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more of a, Hmm, that's an interesting take and not the original ending. Right. So I think that's why I enjoyed it for the most part
0: is, uh, and as we've discussed, we have such patchy memories of the original <laughs> book at the time until we like l- reread it. They were like, oh, yeah, this is good. I think it it allowed me to feel like I was watching a whodunit, especially because relatively early on in January, effectively, uh, there is no question Alberto did not fake his death. That was yeah. pretty graphic. <laughs> Him being ground up by the propellers. So when that happened and to be honest I don't I didn't even I, he was one of the suspects for me, but I'd, I'd forgotten he was the he, he did many of the murders in the comic. And by then I think you're now you're now in a who done it again. You're not just watching an, a uh, adaptation you are re-experiencing it and there's some value to that. I think it is a little bit more straightforward and that's a little bit more satisfying because there's still a little twist there. I, I could I, or I could see the argument for that. I'm a little off put by this woman being motivated by you know a very personal trauma that I feels like it's a little hackney to use that as a, a motivation in this case and not not super satisfying about that. And then ultimately, yeah, it does feels like why is Batman just leaving her to not <laughs> face any consequence for this? It, it, there's a rose, a, a, a few questions. Rose up in my
2: mind for that one. Interesting. With the problems with that. I, I would would like to point out and give them credit that it's done well. It, it's executed well in terms of giving you clues starting pretty much at the beginning. Yeah. It's like if you go back and watch it knowing the ending, you pick up on there's a lot of little subtle things that they dropped in there mm-hmm. that are telling you who the who who done it?
0: Yeah, and I do think that I don't know what the joy in in seeing exclusively just seeing uh, uh, straight adaptations. I know we praise this for being so close to being close to the book in the beginning of the podcast, but I think there's like a it's there's a mix you have to do. You don't necessarily want to go to a movie and it's called you know, one thing named after a famous story in a book. It's no, it's not that secret war. It's a different secret war. trust me. We're <laughs> just using the phraseology. Uh, And at the same time, you don't want to necessarily see it shot by shot remake of a comic that you own already. So I think this is maybe a a happy medium, but it's the one we got. And I think it was a pretty interesting book uh, uh, or film, and I would recommend people watch it. I think it was
1: worth the watch.
0: So, you know, we we did a review for the comic seven years ago, but we might as well review the, the film as well.
1: In regards to adaptations of already created source material. I think it's one of the best ones, even with the changes that I may not agree on, but the overall effort, I'm actually going to go min on it.
2: I can't imagine doing a better animated version or film version of this source material, honestly. I think that the changes that they made needed to be made and... I, I go going minty fresh
0: on this one, too. Nice. You know what? Screw it. We're going to make it a triple mint. Honestly, I love this movie. It was a really great adaptation. I think it was a lot of fun. There were some interesting changes done, but uh, I was shocked by how much I enjoyed it. I'm going to go mint. Awesome. Uh, this actually went surprisingly long, so maybe we shouldn't release the original review in this same recording. What do you think? Should we flip a coin about it? Alright, heads uh, or tails?
1: Uh it's all heads anyway. I meant heads!
0: All right, stay tuned for vintage baby near mint. Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma irradiated with both its parents tragically killed before its eyes, and aired live every week only on the non-productive network—the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank. Joined in studio, joined in studio as always by Pete. Hi, Pete. Hi, Frank. (laughs) Uh, On on Near Mint Comic Radio, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's mint, near mint, good, fair, and poor to you, newbies, and try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. This week, we have a very special episode for all of you. Uh, We are going to read and review. Well, we're not going to read it this week. We've already read it Uh, this past month. (laughs) No, no, let's let's read it live on the air. Really, really not out loud though. Yeah, just quietly sit there and listen to us reading. Hmm. Um. We, uh, we have read uh, Batman The Long Halloween, and uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool, exciting experiment. We're going to take the entire episode to talk about Long Halloween. We hope you've already read it and enjoyed it. If not, I'll pause this
2: podcast. Don't hit stop. Just pause. Mm-hmm. and for, go. for the love of Thor, do not hit stop. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh,
0: no, don't do that. And will oh, uh, blow up the internet. Go buy the book, and then read it, and then uh, listen to us. Talk about it, because that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's really good. and that's what we're doing. Yes, so let's have a little back story on The Long Halloween, shall we? Way, way
2: back, many mm-hmm. centuries ago.
0: That's right. The uh, Long Halloween, written by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, uh, started, I think, in 96, or was it 97. Uh, 96 through 97, 96, yep. a 13-issue comic book limited series. This is a pretty cool time to be a comic book fan, the late 90s. Uh, you were just coming off... So, I don't know how to explain this without sounding <laughs> like I'm being a jerk. Uh, the 90s were a weird period. They were... Um, yeah. That grim dark, but like... There was, a, there was an edginess that everything seemed to have to have
2: yeah, in it, comics. Yeah, I would call it the extreme age. It was a, a, an age spelled of... Spelled with an X. <laughs> yes. That's no E.
0: Yeah, that's how you spelt the age. That, if there was like uh, the golden age, the silver age, it was then the, the extreme, extreme age. age. <laughs> um, but the good thing about that age of comics is that it allowed us to experiment with these stories as they were becoming... Really, uh, like the mythology of the age. So, golden age. It was new and exciting, mm-hmm. and it was actually trying to. We were maybe mimicking some classic storytelling. You got a lot of, you yeah. know, the 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 Wellsian, the 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 classic literature mm-hmm. turned nice, into nice. Uh, graphic art. Yeah. Uh silver age kind of experimented with more pop things so you got you went into space and stuff like that it was bigger grandiose, more exciting yeah. more kid focused than the next age the modern age the bronze age whatever uh, finally in the 90s things started getting real and we had <laughs> uh, we had artists who were willing to
2: experiment with things like graphic violence and what have you I'm just things amused that, yeah. by the fact that any uh that you would describe any age that was characterized by the work of, uh, of Rob Liefeld as getting real. As, as getting real. Well,
0: uh, anatomy, not so no. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm trying to explain this age for, and it's important, I think, to read literature in the context of the period you got it from. Like you may think Moby Dick is boring, but it, it's in a, it came out in this particular age when, when born was bored acceptable by this. <laughs> when people were really fascinated about uh, the whaling industry, apparently. People were
2: reading things to be bored. Right. Well, well, this, like, again, in the 90s. People were way too excited in the uh, 1800s. And they needed lit- literature that would calm them down.
0: In the 90s and comics, I mean, in the 70s, and I would say probably in the 70s, they they're getting the cult- countercultural comics that started coming out. Yes. Uh, and they became more mainstreamed in the 80s. But by then, you started having people who've had decades of... Uh, different writing, different, uh, edgier mm-hmm. storytelling, willing to take these characters that have
2: already become iconic, they've li- lasted more than a generation, and play with them. I think there were a lot of, there was a hunger from a lot of creators out there that was started in the 80s uh, by the likes of Frank Miller, mm-hmm. who really wanted to show that comic books weren't just for kids. Right, exactly. But this was a medium that could be used to tell stories for adults also.
0: And it, uh, I guess it was the dawn of the graphic novel period where everything came out in bound volumes pretty much right, right away. Uh, this is, of course, uh, special. This was actually a limited series. This Every yeah. issue came out once a month or mm-hmm. or what have you. Uh, but it was right at that part of time when we were we were combining our stories into one, into giant tomes and marketing them as graphic novels, not just comic yeah. books. So a very interesting period for this book to come out. Uh, and I feel like the reading it. This is my first time reading it. I have not. Re- I never read uh, Long Halloween before. I thought I had, and I may have seen clips here and there or talked about it, but I don't think I've ever read it. I certainly didn't read it at the point uh, in the 90s. And yeah, this is this was my first attempt. How about you, Pete?
2: I have read it before. Uh, I read it while I was working at a bookstore and I had access to the graphic novel. Nice. Uh, and I, I read it. It was right around the time, probably just a little bit before Civil War. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I read it several years ago. But this I, it was nice to come back and reread it.
0: And I feel like depending not only what period you are currently living in, but what you've read before and after. Like I, I often have said, it's it's hard to read The Watchmen after, let's say, the Civil War. Like, it's, Watchmen is a particular book that you've got to realize when it came out and, and the context of where things come out. Are we Same saying after we,
2: Marvel's Civil War or after the Civil War? No, I think you could only read The
0: Watchmen after the American Civil War. But I'm talking about... Uh, obviously Marvel Civil War Batman Long Halloween I, I I read this again this is my first time reading it and I have before reading this I had seen Gotham the mm-hmm. TV show which is ultra new I had of course seen all the Nolan Batman movies. Mm-hmm. I have read the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Returns uh, year one a bunch of iconic Batman stories some of them that have taken that were written well after Long Halloween came out. So it's interesting how these stories kind of like affect your reading of The Long Halloween. Uh, And what can often happen in reading books like this is if you've read all the derivative works beforehand, it makes you feel like the original is less special. Uh, I'll say that, that it didn't happen for me at all. I think The Long Halloween was a pretty interesting, very interesting read. Hmm. So uh, do you want to go into like the uh, basics of the story? Shall you, Would you like to take us into that? Would you be so kind?
2: The basics of the story, it picks up very quickly after Frank Miller's iconic year one story mm-hmm. of Batman. Uh, so this is a young Batman, new, very new to crime fighting, but he's got, he's got a little bit of, under his belt. Yeah, and there know, he's established. He's established his main allies with Jim Gordon mm-hmm. uh, and Harvey Dent. That's right. The district attorney at the time, uh, and most of his rogues gallery. I would say this
0: is probably yeah, taking the, place. Most I mean, it's a young Batman, but he is an established Batman with his entire
2: like. Yeah. He knows the names of all these villains that are out there. Yeah, and they've they've started coming out of the woodwork. That's right. But they're also still new, and mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Uh, So the basic uh, premise of the story is that we've got the gang families of Gotham and a... uh, 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 The Falcons, the Moronis run the town. That's right. And a serial killer is is attacking them, is wiping them out. Um, And the serial killer's motif is that he kills someone... Is it every holiday or
2: basically every major holiday? They call it every holiday. Right. But it's, it's interesting. It's, like it's there, one of those many few, issues. I mean, you know, they, there's no murder on Arbor Day.
0: But they do bring it up, which is great. I love the fact that at one point we do list all the holidays that could happen when people um, uh, may or may not die. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's uh, basically it's a crime noir in many ways. Yes. This book is a cr- crime noir. It's um, trying to figure out, you're trying to figure out who is the killer while there are plenty of supernaturally powered Batman's rogues.
2: Uh, they they're, don't, they're there, but you you know. they're, they, they don't have a huge effect on the story certainly more than you know it it doesn't revolve around them
0: it it certainly never uses a macguffin to explain how the killing is happening like you can't figure this out because magic it's 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 still a mystery you're trying to solve Mm -hmm. throughout the book uh i believe each chapter each issue i should say uh both either or revolves around a particular holiday and the the thing that happened on that holiday
2: I'd like to say, I think the story works a lot better as kind of a uh, a noir type story better than a straight who done it murder mystery. yeah, you're you're you don't have to try to figure this
0: out. To like enjoy this, it's yeah. not one of those. It it is more of a crime story. And if you yeah. go
2: into it thinking, okay, this is this is a Agatha Christie type mystery, I'm gonna read this real close and I'm gonna look for all the clues and I'm gonna try and figure it out before Batman does. Mm-hmm. Um, don't yeah, you don't won't, do you that won't enjoy it as much. Uh, because um <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss later. But I'm not sure Batman figures it out in the end, right? So uh, you know- <laughs> even after two two people tell him the solution,
0: right. First of all, I guess the first thing I want to talk about is, and by now we've assumed everyone who's listening has read the books. Yes. um, Style of the book. The art was interesting. Tim Sale's art is very stylistic in this book. It is, I think, some of the storytelling he does is phenomenal. There are like a series of panels with uh, like a crime scene panel or, or what have you, where it's very stark and, 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 unnerving in Mm -hmm. a way i really enjoy it but it also has that kind of early experimental art where quite often characters are woefully off-model uh villains look distorted by yeah there's like even heroes and it's hard to tell who's a hero and who's a villain in the story they just look really ugly at times which is a choice i think uh tim sale made And I think it does mostly good for the story. By a
2: large margin, I would. I really do like it. I think that uh, it does a great way. It's a great way of separating the two worlds of crime in Gotham and fighting crime in Gotham. Because on one hand, you have what the mobsters continually refer to as the freaks. Right. You know, you've got your. Your uh, Catwomen, your Jokers, your Scarecrows, your Mad Hatters. And they're all drawn very grotesquely. Very much so, yeah. They're, they're, they're very much unrealistic, uh, distorted features. Elo- the Joker is just grossly elongated. Spaghetti smile freak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his body looks more like Jack Skellington mm-hmm. than a, a human being. Uh, and, and that serves to separate him from the more grounded... It's weird to say it with Tim Sale's art, but more realistic portrayal of the gangsters.
0: Right. Who look more um, like savage, they're, but they look human. They're yeah. they like like grunts. They're like vicious, but not inhuman. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it does. A, he does a great job with that.
2: And I think it is saying a bit about, you know, there, there's this duality of crime in Gotham and the ways you go about fighting them in the different threats they pose
0: Mm -hmm. i think jeff Loeb takes the story to that same level so again in this if you're taking this as a crime novel one of the cool things and this is happens a lot in batman is everyone has their own interpretation right so you Mm -hmm. look at the nolan batman who is gritty and realistic for most of it Maybe up until like a certain part in Dark Knight Rises. It's pretty realistic. You could well, believe he this happens. realizes that some
2: days you just can't get rid of Bob. <laughs> That's
0: right. But, uh, but it, you could see that this could theoretically happen. Yes. And a lot of people make the... There, there is a, a way of looking at Batman to say that everything that Batman encounters and all his villains and everything that he does has to be on a scale of realism. Uh, for example, Ivy shows up. Poison Ivy shows up in the story, and it's beautiful. Her vines growing everywhere, the way she manipulates people and twists them with the, the, the toxicity of the, the plant life. I really enjoy it, and it's not at all something that I would imagine showing up in Christopher Nolan's Batman. No. Um, so a lot of times people will say that there's got to be one or the other. You've got to be either serious or, or fanciful. It's got to be Tim Burton or Christopher Nolan. Uh, and what I think is great, again, about duality in this story is Jeff Loeb does kind of show the transition between the two. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point of The Long Halloween, and it's kind of hidden in there. Um, but the idea is most of the story is a crime story about a serial killer using a gun to kill mobsters by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. In fact, the only time a supervillain gets attacked in this story uh, he, he's the only survivor. It's the Riddler in yeah. April Fool's, right? That was the one that... They- yep. So he's the only time a, a non-normal human being gets attacked in in this scenario, and he survives. Everybody else who's a victim is a mobster, and they're all killed by guns. But at the same time, the villains do... The, the super-powered villains are in the background, and the plot, the point of the story, especially as we come to the, the conclusion, is that... There are two different worlds of villainy, like you said, Pete, yeah. in Gotham. There is the crime family. There's the crime, the thing that made Batman just a street crime. And then there's the thing that makes Batman for the readers, which is the, the villains, the penguins and the jokers and yeah. the what have you. But that the one is becoming the other. Like, arg- one is transitioning into the other.
2: Arguably, there's the, the crime, the, the criminal world that made Batman mm-hmm. and the criminal world that Batman may have made.
0: Yeah. There, that's a good way of looking at it. And uh, what blows my mind, and it's going to sound weird that I'm moving off of this because I know it's a <laughs> it's a weird topic. But the new TV show Gotham does seem to be playing in that same sandbox where there is a, a bit of that. The, there's the, the, the right.
2: slow creep of the supervillains. Right. It
0: it on the surface, it's just crime families in Gotham making a, a muck of everything. But then, literally, uh, slowly. It's we got a hero villain in one episode. You get you get like poisonous venom in another episode. Yeah, you get and the crazy's starting to come out, and you could see how. And this is the really hard thing to sell, and I think Jeff Loeb does it. Is how can things get so insane that it goes from crime is rampant in Chicago to super villainy is rampant in gotham yeah like how does it how can it get that bad nolan did a good job of that in batman begins really with the the scarecrow toxin and the mm. water supply like i i kind of hand waved all the other crazy things that happened afterwards i'm like <laughs> yeah of course that helps yeah you know, who knows what the side effects are um and this was just really really interesting a good way to turn one type of crime
2: into another Pretty impressive. Yeah. And I actually I, I do think it's a very interesting twist to look at the, the differences between this and Gotham mm-hmm. as far as in this the crazies come after Batman shows up. Right. Whereas in Gotham, Gotham's more about um shaping a city that needs Batman mm-hmm. to fight these crazies.
0: Right. I have to be honest. I prefer, I the jaded part of me prefers this version, the long Halloween version, yeah. because I, like the other. I, I I could I could go either way with I don't that. Like
2: blaming I'm I'm not I'm not on board with the blame Batman for the villain. I
0: do feel like that mostly is played poorly. I feel like quite often you see that done with some sort of like like ridiculous extreme Frank Miller like uh, like Batman yeah. as a psychotic supervillain, a Flashpoint Batman. Where he's yeah. like completely insane at playing out his own little revenge fantasies. I think that's a little too much. And I love the way in this book Batman doesn't kind of acknowledge it at all. He's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Like He's not even thinking, no, no, they still need me. He, there's parts of the yeah. book where he says that. Um, I feel like that's, that's interesting. I don't know where we should transition. I do want to briefly talk about how, where the story kind of falls apart. In my opinion, there's a couple places. Okay. Uh, I feel like I'm interested. I feel like there's something about the kind of storytelling we and we're going to get into this when we talk about the finale, where everything lines up perfectly. There's that that kind of storytelling that we're sort of used to or expect, and get disappointed when we don't experience it. And this book has a lot of like things that just happen. There's a lot of (laughs) things that are happening, like villains show up and do some sort of damage, but there's not a lot of consequences to their appearance. Um, i thinking like the Joker. Joker's a very good example about of it. Um, there's also a few situations where people don't really communicate well, and that creates some sort of misunderstanding, but it doesn't ever get resolved as, a, oh, this was just a misunderstanding. Mm. Like throughout the story, uh, we have plenty of... A possible suspects for who holiday is and we should go over some of them harvey dent as district attorney harvey dent yes. is probably like one of the prime examples uh, um, one of them that i feel like as a reader you would suspect is is it i keep saying alberto alberto, alberto. falcone as a reader i expected it because of the godfather because alberto is the good son of of the this mob boss, I never thought about it. That and way. I'm like, you know what? He, he like he kept getting stage time in the story, <laughs> and it looked like you know, like oh, Alberto, you're too good to do anything in in, in yeah. my crime family. I'm like, that's a weird thing to why even bring up this character if he's just like completely ineffectual. Yeah, uh, until he eventually dies, and then you're like, all right, maybe that's why he was brought up. He was like the innocent who got killed. Yeah. Um. I, I but I did think he was a suspect. Ca- uh, Calendar Man, surprisingly. Or unsurprisingly, was a a suspect because he's in in Arkham this entire time. Yeah. Uh, Plus, wonderful way how uh, uh, Tim Sale makes him look creepy. He's a supervillain, right? So, we said that all supervillains looked weird, but how do they do it? They just drain the color from him. Exactly. It's so weird. Very, very cool the way it was done. Anyways, any other um, suspects I can think of? Uh, there's times where Batman and oh, oh, Bruce we, Wayne is brought up, but I don't think that's re- realistic. Um, the aunt, Aunt Carla, Aunt Carla, yeah, she's definitely a, a possible a suspect. uh suspect. Not to
2: be confused with uh, with Aunt, and now I can't think of her name from the uh, TV series. <laughs> that would be awesome.
0: Um, and also, uh, Carmine Falcone, I think, was a pretty reasonable uh, suspect. Yeah, in the in the in who was Holiday Falcone or uh, or Maroni, both really, but I would say
2: Falcone so more so. Could, uh, Why fa- would Falcone? Uh, am I getting the names Car- wrong? I think you're confused. Carmine the Roman Falcone. Yeah. The, the main vil- villain who's mostly, it's his family. And... Maroni's. It's
0: mostly Maroni's family that gets... No. It's My... mostly
2: Falcone's.
0: Interesting. It might just totally... It's Falcone's me- nephew. Mm-hmm.
2: Fal- the first three are all Falcone family. It's the, the Irish, the gang that he hires to blow up Dent's
0: house. You know what it is? we're're're we're, we're doing bad math. It's about 50 50. there's a There's a couple of bad Falcone people and a couple of good uh, bad Maroni yeah. people. But my point yeah I, I most do the, mean. the big ones go Falcone. Yeah, you're right. And I do think Car, uh, Carmine Falcone was a, a reasonable. Person to, I mean, it would have had to the like, and the answer would have been like, oh, he was going crazy, he wanted power, he was sick of all the vipers around him, which is a line he actually
2: said in the the book.
0: It's possible, I'm saying. Yeah, that's interesting Um, because I
2: I ruled him out immediately because he's old (laughs) and he just seems like the kind of more aloof. He would have had someone else do it for him. So what
0: we said earlier was that you shouldn't try to figure out this mystery. But yeah. clearly, we were trying to figure out the mystery. It's hard as it was not going to, in. right? And uh, which I is think, why I warned people, right? Uh, like, and, don't and, do
2: it. You're not going to be able to not do it. But absolutely, don't
0: do it. And I think as long as you don't like expect it and get mad when you didn't have the information or whatever. Yeah, um, I would think that as I was reading, I was like, you know what? I'm not. Sh- I both know who the suspects are and believe I'm right. But I can't honestly say this was telegraphed as an ending. Like, I didn't know where it no. was going because I had so many equal suspects. Um, and I feel like a lot of the stuff that came up, I, I, I was talking about the writing. Occasionally, you'll say that Harvey Dent is, like, people will not believe that Harvey Dent was innocent up until the end. Jim Gordon's still questioning Batman, whether or not he ever felt that Harvey Dent was the yeah. one who did it. And, like, Batman doesn't really answer him. And I don't necessarily think that these are, it's weird. I don't think these are plot holes. I could see how it's unsatisfying, how people can look at this and be like upset that it wasn't wrapped up. But I feel like that's the way people talk often. And that's the reality of the situation. Some things just don't get resolved well. And it's very hard to read a story like that. It's weird. And that is a big aspect of the long Halloween that I think might might make people feel a little iffy about it.
2: And that's something I'm not, I, I, while I accept it and I appreciate it, it's something I don't really like.
0: Yeah, I could tell. You're, you're definitely one of the people I was I'm, thinking
2: of. I'm the kind of guy, especially with a Batman story, I want Batman to know the answer. I want Batman to have been three steps ahead the entire time. And, you know, there was maybe one piece he was waiting to fall in before he acted. Mm-hmm or he was just waiting for his trap to be sprung. I see Batman as the, as the master chessman.
0: Right. I could, I appreciate that, but for some reason, maybe it's just as the sorbet. Like yeah. I, just to cleanse the palate. It's yeah. like I want to see one where things are just falling apart.
2: I find it I find it, you know, a lot easier to accept because it's year 2 or year 3 Batman. <laughs> he's and too he's, young. He's cockier than he than he is smart. Mhm. But uh, yeah, it's it's just not the kind of Batman story I, I would say. Hey, I want to read that kind of story where Batman's finding his feet. Like, no, I want an, I want a story where Batman's in control.
0: So there are a couple of firsts we should probably talk about in the mm-hmm. story, or a big uh, first, not necessarily first. I'm, I'm sure some of these will be wrong. Uh, a lot of the villains that appear in the story uh, get reimagined. In a very interesting way that carries over. I mean, Two Face has always been splashed with acid, and that's mm-hmm. how he became Two Face. But this was probably one of the more mature and developed origins for yes. Harvey
2: Dent. A lot of people at DC, including uh, Jeff Loeb, felt that Harvey Dent, Two Face, was a great character. But Harvey, the the carry the district attorney Harvey Dent. Was introduced so close to becoming Two Face. I think it was probably the same story. You know, it was almost definitely the, the same story. They didn't.
0: They probably didn't take a
2: character that had been established already. Yeah, yeah. is that he never got the epic story that he deserved, the epic origin that he deserved.
0: Right. These are characters that have had origins, but they didn't really. Nobody played with the origin
2: as long as much as they should have. It was never fully developed. It was never fleshed out. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you had the barest of explanations. You know, you've got a you've got a gangster who wants revenge and splashes him with acid.
0: Yeah, and it's he's a it's like, he's no why, no exactly. He's the classic gimmick supervillain. Yeah. He's the obsessed with the number two in duality, and he's like a Dick Tracy villain. It's just uh, with a a little bit of an explanation, and you could argue that the Long Halloween is one big Harvey Dent Two Face origin story. Yeah. Oh, it really is
2: in a lot of ways.
0: Right. Uh, so I think that that was an amazing one. I also think that Calendar Man, despite the fact not getting a lot of... He has no backstory really described. It's mm-hmm. interesting. I love it when you take a stupid villain and you <laughs> use them well. And I think this is probably the best he's ever been used in many
2: ways, just because I don't really remember, it might be the most he's ever been used.
0: And I think it's it was cute and clever from like beginning to end, like using him as this um, Hannibal Lecter kind of I need him for information and to. I think it was cute. I
2: thought I it was interesting. He, I think he was a uh, a solution to a problem that came up during workshopping the idea. I think they came up with the idea of the Holiday Killer, mm-hmm. and somewhere about. You know, a third to a half halfway through the writing process of this, they said, "Wait a minute! Wouldn't it have just made sense for him to be this guy?" Yeah, all the also, fans are going to say through these old, I was just thumbing through these old page, these old books. There's a guy that does all this stuff. With oh them. crap! Like, how do we do? Okay, and I love we how have they resolve
0: him. him. <laughs> I love how they resolve him. He gets the bad flip or the good flip in this case, and it has to stay in Arkham. <laughs> um, let's see and of course what really gets developed is the the crime families and the nature of harvey and also um Bull- uh, not bullock i'm sorry Gordon. Uh, gordon's uh, uh role with trying to protect the city because batman mm-hmm. okay batman needs to protect gotham i get that whole deal but like donate money to the police department and put on a badge you know put on a uniform yeah. like why isn't that ever an option for young batman <laughs> it's always because the cops can't do it because they don't have the resources to do what needs to be done oh you mean like shoot people in the head is that what you mean by needs to be done or do you mean like dressing up like a bat and swinging around and scaring people big or do you mean like having like a tank and weapons and gear because okay. that stuff
2: you could donate when i say needs to be done I mean, needs to be fun.
0: (laughs) There you go. Uh, There are aspects to it that don't get addressed, but do get addressed when you bring in Gordon as a character. And I think that was really, really Mm. interesting. To constantly see how this police life and attorney life is dealing with the normal people of Gotham was really, really interesting. And uh, I think the story is better for it. I think it's essential to the story itself. So, agreed. Let's talk about the meat of this. Let's actually get into the, the deaths mm. and the plot, right? We need death. Right, <laughs> exactly. That's disgusting. <laughs> uh, so, uh, over the course of Holiday's career, the kills, what is it, like 12 people? 13 people? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11? There are 13 murders 13. that occurred. Well, 13 incidents. 13 a lot incidents. 13 uh,
2: incidents. Over the course of, of the, the 13, holiday right. spree. All right,
0: so it begins, of course, with uh, on Halloween uh, Johnny Vitti, Carmine Falcone's nephew dies. All right, so sad. That's the just got married. Yeah, the Halloween. So, what do we establish there? That uh, Harvey has access. Uh, Carmine Falcone has tried to kill him in the past. That's one of the reasons why I was like, "It's
2: Carmine has a motive because he was going to he was going to uh, testify." That's right. Against him. He was uh, going to flip, turn state's evidence.
0: And we don't really know much more other than that was the first killing. By Thanksgiving, we get the Irish gang uh, or tries to kill Harvey Well, uh,
2: th- that actually happens at, after, on the same day as uh, the Johnny Vitti murder. No, it isn't the same day. Yes, it is. I don't think it is. It is. Check your uh, your list. I'm I actually s- did. It's, really? It happens Halloween night. We're, we're clear. The uh, we're having language
0: st- problems again. That that gang that tried to kill Harvey Dent yes. on on Halloween gets killed. Oh yes, on Thanksgiving. and they get killed on Thanksgiving, right? Gotcha. And they've yes. got that kind of like last, not really last supper. They're almost got, they're, the last. Yeah, supper. Yeah, they're sitting around the table actually, and they're being killed,
2: very much like uh, Norman Rockwell's Thanksgiving. That's it.
0: Yeah, uh, and that's a, pr- a pretty iconic death. And then we've got the Christmas death. Uh, which is uh, Falcone's personal bodyguard. Yeah. And then it goes to New Year's Eve. Is, and we're just going to quickly go through them yeah. just to remind the listeners. New Year's Eve was Albert Alberto, Alberto Falcone. Falcone killed on the, the
2: boat. Yep. Uh, Valentine's Day is, is a number of mobsters uh, that are guarding Maroney's, uh establishment, his restaurant. That's right. It's like a Valentine's Day massacre. There's yep. a lot of people dying. Uh Again, outside of uh, Maroni's, I believe, home or office, uh, another uh, group of Moroni's men gunned down on St. Patrick's Day. Right, April Fool's Day is the one we talked about. Yep, where uh, the Riddler is met outside by the holiday killer, and who shoots a, uh, an outline yeah. Yeah. of him.
0: I want to say the cool thing about this, and we didn't really bring it up much, is part of the whole mobster and supervillain dynamic is that and you could tell at the beginning of A- April Fool's Day is Carmine Falcone is beginning to hire and bring in the crazies mm-hmm. to to figure this out. Riddler first to yeah. literally figure it out. Actually, I, I think, it, doesn't he go to
2: uh, Poison Ivy first?
0: Uh, it's possible. Poison Ivy was brought in for uh, to try to manipulate Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne into opening up the banks so, oh, to his... For m- Falcone, yeah. And, and then we've got Scarecrow and... and but Riddler's the first Mad-Hatter. time he doesn't
2: like publicly for more than one person to and, see.
0: Yeah, and it's it's the, the mobsters are going to these scumbags that they think are like, you know, this ridiculous villains. And they make a
2: point of saying it's it's taboo yeah. for the mobs. It's like, you, would think you in don't a world, deal with the freaks. If your job is crime,
0: these people are ridiculous. It's like being an actor and running into, I, I was going to put my mouth, foot my mouth so far. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get into this. But like, you know, the, these weird kind of amateur ridiculous, not insane kind of things
2: it's and it's it plays into the uh the whole uh mafia mystique that hollywood builds up right you know these are these are horrible brutal thugs with a code of ethics though right you know and there's stuff that you don't do you when you commit crimes you, you do it with dignity right you don't get dressed up like uh some guy out of alice in wonderland that's right right
0: uh, so we go to uh, Mother's Day there's um uh, the gunsmith the person who's been providing weapons for the Correct. for the uh, for the holiday killer Father's Day Father's Day, Day is Moroni's father Luigi that's right uh, another scene out of the Godfather Yep. Uh, Independence Day is is
2: the uh, Gotham City car- coroner, Jasper
0: Dolan which is a mysterious ki- death this yeah, one, we don't this guy know doesn't seem why. associated with anything and uh, Labor Day was and the first civilian, by the way, the first non-mobster. Uh, Roman's birthday uh, had uh, Carla. Carla Viti, who his, was actually a suspect yeah. in my book for quite a while up until this yep. point, yeah. And then Labor Day had Salvador Moroni out of the jail, and then on the last killing is of course Halloween when Carmine Falcone is killed by um, uh, by Harvey Dent, who's yes. now Two
2: Face. Uh, again so that 's all your victims but the only two the only two murders that we know one hundred percent for certain that we actually see the person doing it are Harvey Dent killing carmine Falcone uh-huh. on on the second halloween uh-huh and Salvatore Moroni being shot by Alberto Falcone on, Labor, on Day. Labor Day and those are the last two the last two so
0: for those of you who maybe read it a little while ago, and you know, there's no spoil, sp- spoilers in this conversation, but you may be wondering why we're being we're soft shoeing around this. Is a question came up: Is do we know who the holiday killer is? Exactly. And that I think
2: is less obvious than it seems. You said there are no spoilers. Well, there are spoilers. We, oh, we're I doing mean, like, all we're full spoilers. We're not giving.
0: Yeah. Am I saying that there? You're you're not gonna have anything spoiled. You've already read the book. Yes. if You're listening to this. Um, I got you. I feel like. I will say one thing about the story. I think as it wraps up when uh, towards the end of the story, we, of course, find out that Alberto Falcone did not die on New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. He was the one who killed uh, Salvador Moroni. He claims he's the holiday killer the entire time. Uh, And the story kind of wraps up with Gotham's villains rising up and saying, this is what Gotham is now. Yeah, and basically. they destroy Falcone mm-hmm. and take over, and they the evil in Gotham is no longer random street crime or even organized crime. It is now villainy. Yeah, which is an interesting scene. And in my opinion, the story ends, and then there's this other chapter that <laughs> focuses on Gilda, Gilda Dent, Harvey
2: Dent's wife. Yeah, um, where she confesses to being the Holiday Killer. Well, this is after the uh, the final scene with Dent and Gordon and Batman. That's right. Where they where they stand around and uh you know basically they are saying they're they're bringing Harvey in. Harvey goes in
0: willingly, yeah.
2: That's right. I'm yeah. Sorry. And as they they're taking him away, he says, "By the way, you know there's there were two holiday killers."
0: And my favorite part after that is Batman's reaction, which is just like he's just obsessed with duality. It's not yeah, don't no. they ignore him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Two face yeah. says there's two everything. Yeah. It's like he's already figured out this thing. Yeah, it's like that. That's that's one thing that bothers me a little bit. It's there's like a he's little so bit of that quickly throughout. accepts the uh, oh, Harvey is obsessed with duality. Yeah. at all times. It's not like they set that up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's I mean there's a lot of the way he stresses words, but it, it's a, it's a big leap even for Batman, but it's a, it's fine. It's whatever. Um it also seems like he'd been out for a while doing Batman, doing two-facey things. So we don't know what was Oh, you you got
2: a point. He that he was uh he it was it at was least about a two, month or two months or yeah. three months, I think. Right. So which any, is another problem I have with the storytelling, oh yeah, is the 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 way things take time to fit into this 12 month cycle Uh uh-huh is this a labor day and arbor day thing (laughs) sort of i mean uh in uh i believe it's the january issue Mm -hmm. right after alberto's killed harvey and gordon discuss how they think bruce wayne is tied to falcone right and then it's not until valentine's day that they try to bring him in right You know, why do they sit on it for a month and a half or at most two weeks, at least two weeks? I feel like a lot of this, and maybe this is me just defending it,
0: but I do feel like this kind of flows a little bit more realistically, which is weird because the story isn't full of realism. But there are moments where like in actual investigations, you say something like, you know, this guy is probably responsible but we don't really have the evidence to pull it off. And then you wait around for a while, and then maybe even no new evidence shows up, but you're like, we have to do something.
2: And you know what, I, I would have bought that if, if they had said something about we need to gather more evidence before we make our move, some kind of toss-away line like that. Mm-hmm. But they don't. And, on the, and that's why I'm, for the sake of the story, I'm willing to let it slide. Uh-huh. It's not a big deal, but it, it, it bothers me a little bit. I'm
0: telling you, all of this feeds into what I said before of the, there are weird gaps in this story yeah. that you could either see through and not care, or it, it bothers you. And it depends on the kind of reader you are. And I noticed them, but I didn't. it didn't bother me. I just know that what people don't seem to like. Yeah. Um,
2: I'll say that. I'll, I'll, I'll say a little bit of something about that when, when we sum this up.
0: Right. All right, so we've got the we've laid out your victims, and theoretically, we've laid out the people who responsible. Putting aside Dent and the last killing, Harvey Dent and the last killing, yeah. uh, specifically Two Face and the last killing—that's the one person who did it—and yeah. um, of Alberto Falcone, who admitted to killing everybody. You get this weird chapter where Gilda Dent, who is still like heartbroken that her husband hasn't come home. Uh, and won't probably ever come home now that he's a supervillain. Sure, he totally will. Yeah, they'll find a cure for him. Sure, I believe in Harvey Dent. There you go. Well, we'll talk about first. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's that's another big first is that aspect of building up Harvey Dent in that way. We we kind of yeah. teased it, but yes, specifically, I believe in Harvey Dent. I believe this is I believe where in it God originated. City. Yeah. yeah, I believe in Harvey Dent. Uh, so yeah, what did she confess to? Which murders did she do? If Alberto did the murders, she confesses to the first three. Right.
2: Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas.
0: All right. So we've got you on December, November, and January. I'm sorry, December. (laughs) And she goes
2: on to state her belief that Harvey saw what she was doing and took up the mantle of holiday.
0: Right. Specifically, he tried to kill Alberto Falcone. Yeah. And her evidence was effectively his wet head. He he came home one day, his hair was wet, and he was wearing a hat. Yeah. So... Uh, and to be honest, when I first read it when I, um, on the reading before we talked about this, I was like, all right, so apparently it's Gilda Dent for the first three, then it was Harvey Dent for an attempted murder on in January, mm-hmm. but he failed at that, and then the rest of it's Alberto. But that's not until it eventually becomes yeah. Two Faced at the very end. But that doesn't
2: really hold up, does it, when you think about it? Not really, um, because... Well, it's, it, especially if you take into account the unpublished page, where Albert, where uh, Carmine Falcone is asked by the coroner to identify his son, but the son, the body is so uh, decomposed that he can't identify him. Mm-hmm. So we we see that there's a body that has been faked, yeah, essentially, it, which indicates that somebody. Deliberately faked the murder of Alberto. For
0: some historical context, that chapter where you find that there is that the body is kind of questionable was left out of the original yeah. run, and that uh, one of the things that apparently fans most mentioned was the fact that there was no body. Yeah. Because so in the original thing, there's no body.
2: No one. Yeah. No one ever sees Alberto's body. Everybody wrote in saying there's no body. There's no body.
0: And I think that's the only one where you don't see the body. Uh, that's all the correct. other victims, you, you There see are bodies them dead. for
2: all the rest of them.
0: Right. So, okay, Harvey Dent tries to kill. There's two ways of looking at it. Alberto just says, All right, I'm going to jump. I'm, I'm going to fake my own death. In which case, Harvey Dent is absolutely innocent. And the fact that Gilda thinks he's partially guilty is just another tragic thing in Harvey Dent's life. Yeah. Even he's completely exonerated as Harvey Dent, except for when he's Two Faced and he kills Halloween. Yeah. He kills Carmine. But even then, he still is. People are still, though, don't believe
2: in Harvey Dent. His love of his life doesn't believe in him. Oh, she believes in him. That's well, the thing. Well, she doesn't believe that he didn't do it. That, that's, the tr- that, that's the tragedy mm-hmm. of it. You know, it, It's her belief that Harvey saw what she's doing mm-hmm. and under, finally understood, no, I need, to, I need to actually finally put this to rest so that I can have time to be with my family. Right. To start a family. And I feel like her motivation is also really really suspect.
0: I don't know. It's it To me, it seemed really uh, maybe because I was so happy with Alberto's confession and reasons. Now, what do you think, Alberto Falcone, why did yeah. he do all this?
2: I I had a problem. I, I have a problem with his confession and his complaining that, you know, oh, I, I'm doing it because you didn't love me, Daddy. And you you never came to my birthday. You forgot that my birthday was February 14th. Right. It was Valentine's Day. You always had be, uh, business every year. Why do you have? And a problem uh, with that? I don't. I don't understand. You know, he, if he's mad at his father, he's trying to take him down. Everybody that he goes after is Moroni's men. Okay. So he's actually trying to build his father up.
0: His I think that's. Up. I think that's it. I think that Alberto Falcone is actually trying to show his father that he is worth it. So the whole story is that the concept... Alberto is a good guy. He doesn't have the heart for the family business. Mm -hmm. He can't do what needs to be done. So he's showing his father, I can do what needs to be done. I'm going to be Holiday. I'm going to be the Holiday killer. And I'm going to kill all those rivals you have, all the obstacles in your life, all the people who are going to turn state evidence. Mm -hmm. And this is how he shows that he's the new thing. This is what... Crime in Gotham needs to be. It's not the crap you're doing in Chicago and the the crime families. It's villainy. It's I'm Holiday. That's what I think it is. That's why I feel like okay. it's a more genuine, awesome reveal. Because I can see that it goes hand in hand with the concept of the book, which is you know one type of villainy converting into another. Now there is another concept in the book, which is the the love of the people who want to protect Gotham and what they're driven to do because of it. And I guess that's Galinda. Gilda. Glinda,
2: Gilda. We'll Glinda, we keep Glinda. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, she's she doesn't love Gotham. She hates Gotham.
0: But it's her love that makes her yeah, do okay. this. Yeah, her love to protect the things she thinks need protecting will cause her yeah. to do horrible things, just the way it caused Batman to do horrible things. He's dressing up like a bat and going around like a crazy person. Yeah. And Gordon is abandoning his family for the love of what he feels needs to be protected. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I just feel... Okay, so we'll give Gilda the confessions she literally states. Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? Those okay. are hers. Alberto was faking it because he likes the idea of being considered the holiday killer, right? He okay. only killed... Yeah. Possibly he only killed uh, Salvador, uh, Moroni, and Labor Day.
2: Like, it's possible. Oh, that's the only one we see.
0: Yeah. Uh, the questions in between are who, who does all these things? I will say that New Year's Eve is the only one I'm really confused by.
2: I'll agree with the caveat of April Fool's, which doesn't make sense at all. I like it in the... Con- the actual... Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like it in the concept that it's the only...
0: Like, the villainy of the gangs doesn't ever reach... This, the violence in the story doesn't reach the villains, the supervillains. They get born out of the story. Long Halloween yeah. gives birth to villains, not necessarily kills any of them. Um, but, yeah, I, it was a little odd as a as a one-off. I feel like I feel like Alberto Falcone having staged that it, it it's almost only makes sense if Alberto Falcone does if Harvey Dent isn't involved. Because if Harvey Dent's involved, he goes onto the boat, mm-hmm. he attempts to kill Alberto, fails but doesn't know he failed probably. And then Alberto's like, you know what? I'm just gonna take a swine dove in, into the water, yeah. and then later on, I'm gonna find a body and make it like really rotted and throw that. You know, that whole. Or you know, it's
2: just one of the hundreds of bodies that probably litters <laughs> Gotham's
0: <laughs> harbor. Well, Gotham's harbor is mostly body,
2: and yeah, very little sure. water. Um, it's possible, but that seems like it's a little bit of a stretch. I agree with that. I I honestly don't really see other than Gilda's comment. Your hair's wet. Yeah which frankly if he was on the boat why wouldn't his, why uh, you know why would his hair necessarily be wet yeah it's kind I of i think his explanation of it's snowing outside was a reasonable it one it's perfectly reasonable hat or no hat
0: yeah you're I, a hat man does that sound like it holds up holds water the it hat dep- depends no, on the hat it depends yeah. on which way you hold yeah, it yeah that's right <laughs> uh, i feel like i, I got to go with i think the new year's eve killing or the attempted murder of alberto I think it was staged. I think Alberta Alberto was... staged in- it himself. Yes. But that's... I agree. That's a in- crazy... Or here's why this is insane. Another way this is insane. Alberto would have to be like, you know, there's a serial killer that's targeting my uh, my my damn cousin, I guess. Mm-hmm. Carmen Falcone's nephew. Yeah, sure. My cousin-in-law who was about to turn state's evidence. There's a serial killer that targets the gang that actually attacked Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a serial killer that's targeting Falcone's personal bodyguard. This is a good time for me to fake my death, but instead of just getting out of Dodge, to
2: come back in February and kill a bunch of people. It is, it is a little weird that he would suddenly start copying the holiday killer and at the same time the holiday killer stops.
0: Right. That's it because I mean in February he kills Marconi's men or somebody kills Marconi's men. March Marconi's men die. Riddler doesn't die in April. The gunsmith everything, is another big question. Everything, everything
2: after, uh, everything after New Year's Eve is uh, a hit against Marconi. Is a hit against Maroni?
0: Maroni, I'm sorry, Marconi or <laughs> the radio guy? Yeah.
2: yeah, or it's something done to help obscure Al- uh, Alberto's identity. Right. So let's or talk the a- holiday killer's let's identity. Talk let's talk about second. a couple
0: of those. So we've got the Carla Vitti on Roman's birthday. It's August 2. It's towards the end of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, she's stumbling upon the well, coroner. She's, she's,
2: she's broken into the coroner's office and is going through the files on the holiday killer.
0: So I'll give that. And the coroner himself, which would have been... Um, uh, I guess
2: that's uh, that's July. Yeah, obviously uh, he would have been able to. Right, another reasonable figure one. out that
0: the gunsmith is questionable for me. The gunsmith, the reason he's targeted is because he's the one who's been making holidays guns. Yes, a little side effect. I, the fact that so much damage is done by the twenty-two, like literally. Dozens of people are killed by a twenty-two. is, I'm not a gun guy, but it seems a little weird that these mobsters are being wiped out that way. No,
2: you, you, you want to know something? Do a little bit of research into that. Uh-huh. Okay. And ask yourself how many times Holiday would have had to have reloaded to shoot that outline around the Riddler on April Fool's Day.
0: <laughs> so the gunsmith for creating these ridiculous <laughs> custom guns. Um, yeah, so the gunsmith is questionable for me because it happens in may at that point february and march and arguably april with the riddler were the only two times the gunsmith would have been supplying guns to holiday as is holiday the uh the alberto falcone
2: version of holiday Mm -hmm. now here's here's the uh the rebuttal to that one alberto planned it out he knew who he was going to kill and essentially when he, he he knew when he was going to end the killings he knew he was go, he was going to cap it off at the one year mark by murdering uh Maroni on Labor Day okay right so he orders all the guns he orders nine guns from the gunsmith okay and once he's got those guns he murders the gunsmith so that the gunsmith can't identify him as being the one who ordered the gun. But he
0: doesn't even do that once he knows it. He does it like three months or two and a half months afterwards.
2: Well, let's assume, let's assume that it, there's two things. It takes a while to make those guns. It's like Yeah, it takes a while to make the guns. Mm. Reasonable. It's possible. Sure. Uh, and two, he, do, he doesn't do it until somebody starts to catch on. Somebody starts to sniff around the uh the gunsmith right and it's
0: arguable that happens right after the riddler and that's another reason why the riddler thing is questionable and this is all feeding on the the concept we i said pretty early on i was like there's there are holes in this story that aren't necessarily plot holes like there's no explanation for it Mm -hmm. but you have you can't find the explanation in the text yeah and and the reason is the text isn't really concerned about that i think I don't think it's really concerned about the motivation of the crazy person who wants to just kill off enemies of his father and or bad people in Gotham. I don't know about it. And I think one of the cool things is we're not going to really figure it out.
2: It, it, I've but actually, it's fun to discuss it. I just hit upon something while we're talking about it. Because, like I was saying, the one that bothers me more than anything else is April Fool's Day. Why doesn't he kill the Riddler? Mm-hmm. What, what's that about? Maybe it's a statement about the, the duality of crime. On there, the craziest versus the mob. You know, on one hand, it could be I'm not killing the Riddler because no one, I, he's beneath us. Oh,
0: okay. We don't take
2: him seriously enough to kill him. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to believe him if he does point the finger at me. Okay. The other one, or the other side, could be it's Alberto s- symbolically joining them.
0: Yeah, that's what I was gonna go for. He's like,
2: I'm not, I'm not killing you because now I'm one of you.
0: Yeah, I am a villain. I am a super villain like you. Yeah, and when you think about that, just that phrase, "I'm a super villain like you," think of that. How how, how does that is, Disease that is. When that you is think pretty about pretty messed it. up. You're like this is a world where people get murdered all the time for money, and it doesn't matter. But what you really want to be is a supervillain, and that's kind of what Long Halloween is about. Yeah, it's the 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 madness that is the Gotham we've all kind of taken for get granted, just as the setup
2: yeah. for how does it books turn you into a supervillain? Right, right. Because arguably you've got three supervillains created out of this. Yeah. Two-Face, Holiday, and uh, Gilda. Gilda, the
0: worst of all. I don't know if Gilda ever shows up in any of the other stories. Did she get away with I it? I don't know. I think she may have gotten away with she it. She may have. Yeah. All right, so we're wrapping up our show. we got to do the, the review. What do we rank this book?
2: Ooh. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it a mint. I agree. Mint. I think this is a seminal
0: book. I yeah. think if you take comics seriously... You you should do yourself the service and read this. It's
2: something to talk about. It's thought provoking, right? Uh, You know, for for the flaws that it has, and you have to be careful to avoid those flaws. Like, don't let that don't let that yeah kill you for it. But Mm -hmm. the flaws are what make it are partly what make it so dissectable, right? Absolutely, you know, such an easy book to examine. And
0: figure out how we, and it's a wonderful story about how we got to the point where we're telling these stories about Gotham and Batman.
2: And the other thing I want to say about it is I always, I I remembered it reading it through because I read it through just trying to get through it Mm -hmm. uh, in order to talk about this. And I ended up having time left over to think about it. But when I just barrel through and read it through, I love the story. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. It's not until I stop and think carefully about a lot of it that I start to see problems.-huh. But if you just read the story and accept it for the ride that it is, a good story, it's great. Yeah. I, I it's would, a great read.
0: And I'd go as far as to say like if you if you really want to believe that the Batman you're reading is real, this is probably closer to anything else we've seen where it would be how how it would actually manifest if you're talking full monty supernatural and super science things this is that weird corrupt world that would happen
2: i think as long as you ignore solomon grundy <laughs> as all <old> people should <laughs> i love solomon grundy in this he I was gotta really say good that.
0: i did enjoy him as well <laughs>